Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Down the block, Andrew Gunn. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle and one. G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Going to our round 25 rapid review now. Plenty to get into from round 25. Obviously half these teams now are going to finals. Half of them are headed for Mad Monday a little bit later today. Well, most of them, I think the Dragons have been banned, so they're in for a tough little Monday. Uh, but let's go through all these games. We'll talk about the teams that are still relevant, probably a little bit more than the sides that are out now. But we will touch on all sides. Thursday night, twenty Parramatta 22 over the Melbourne Storm. 14. Really enjoyed this game. We hijacked this one. If you would like to listen to the live audio from that, it's available on the Rugby League Guru podcast. It's about three or four potties before this one, if you would like to have a listen there. Uh, Look, this game, I thought Parramatta, they were the better team by quite a bit, to be honest with you. I thought the Melbourne Storm sort of scored a couple of points late, which made it a little bit more interesting. Could have been more interesting if they kicked all their goals. We saw Nick Meaney uh, missed a bit of a shocker, and then uh, Cameron Munster backed it up. Probably an even worse miss, but I thought Parramatta, uh, they were the better team here by far away. I thought Dylan Brown, he was sensational. I was so impressed with his game the other night. He's one of my favorite players in this competition to watch. If you've been listening to this podcast for the last couple of years, you know how high we've been on him the whole time. A lot of people getting stuck into him last year because he was lacking stats and whatnot. Uh, it was always just complete and utter dribble. He's such a classy player, Dill Brown. Plays well above his age. I absolutely love the way he plays. The thing I love the most about Dill Brown He's improved his kicking game uh, out of sight. I love his running game. He's got the step. He's got the short ball, long ball. You name it, he's got it all. He's got these defensive efforts we talk about where he comes from nowhere. He makes up a heap of ground. But the thing I love about Dill Brown the most, and it says a lot about a half when they are these sort of guys, and I think that uh, I think players on the field uh, probably respect these guys a little bit more than what we do sitting at home most of the time. But one thing I always notice about Dill Brown is that whenever he gets the ball, he either gives it to someone who's in a better position him or he takes the hit. It is one or the other and he's not afraid to take a hit. You see a lot of halves, especially in the modern game, that they'll throw it to guys who are definitely in a worse position than them, yeah? And it can mean the other player gets whacked or whatever so that player, so the half can get up and and, and get ready for the next play and everything. But Dill Brown, he is just selfless in that regard. If no one is in a better position than him, even if he's in a shit position, if no one's in a better spot than him where they can take advantage of it, Dill Brown, he will take the hit every day of the week. He'll go into contact and he'll just tough it out. And that's what I absolutely love about this guy. He's a superstar of our game. Love watching him play. I thought Parramatta, and it's all, it always is the indication with the Eels in the first 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes or so, and it's going to be really telling come finals time. Keep an eye on it. The first 10 or 15 minutes, if the two front rowers, Regan Campbell-Gillard, Junior Ballo, if they're going forward, you know Parramatta are on today. If they're trying to ball play and they're going a little bit lateral, Parramatta's fucked for the day. That's how it works each and every time. 
and it's taken a few years now and it's been this way for a while and then you get to finals and you think surely surely they'll just go forward surely they will just go just go north and south and then they get to finals and they sort of don't you see them throw the ball around and you see them throw balls to the ground honestly I, I I cannot see a world where they can possibly come into this final series and these two forwards don't look at each other and say who's going to go for the for the most meters in their first five runs because both of them are so damaging very different body shapes and whatnot but each as damaging as each other and when they're going forward Parramatta are going forward I think it's going to be crucial for the eels over the next few weeks as I've said, I'm not convinced uh, they're going to be able to deliver on the biggest stages this year. As I've always said, though, I'm more than happy to be proven wrong. You Paramount Eels fans, you deserve a premiership. You've been so fucking patient for so long through so much shit. So hopefully the boys can get it together. Um, and, yeah, I think I think so much of it just comes down to those two front rowers going forward to start the game. I know they've, they've both got a ball-playing ability, but they just need to make those yards. Uh, I thought that Gutho was sensational as well. We came into the second half uh, – the Paramount Eels led 8-0 at halftime, which uh, was pretty fluttering for the Melbourne Storm, I thought. I, I remember standing here at 8-0, commentating, going, you know what, if I'm the Storm, I'm fucking stoked. I haven't been in this game. I'm only down 8-0. How good. The Melbourne Storm complete their first set of the second half. They kick deep. Gutho comes up with a cracking kick return, uh, breaks one or two tackles, gets on the front foot, and then the the Melbourne Storm give away a penalty off the back of that. I believe it was Nick Meany. So Gutho, he, he earned the ascendancy on that, on that play to the point where the Melbourne Storm held him down. They kick for touch, they get down the other end, uh, and Gutho, I believe it was Gutho, sets up Penasini to score there. So all of it comes down to Gutho earning that penalty on the on zero tackle. Coming off a pretty good Melbourne Storm set. So I thought Gutho, he was fantastic. Parramatta's left edge. We've already spoken about Dill Brown, but you know, you've got Micah Sivo out there, you've got Tommy Opachik, you've got Sean Lane. We speak about it every week on Bloke, but they're just so damaging. Credit to Gutho as well. That pass that he threw to Clint Gutherson was sensational. And, you know, we can harp on about the pass all day. At live, I thought it was forward. Then re-watching it, I, I, I think it was a fair pass. It was absolute cracker. But I just love the instincts of Gutho. You watch the run before that, Mitch Moses go. And there's an old saying that when your halves are going good, both halves are running. And when one runs, the other one follows. Now, it wasn't the halves running here, but it was still a, sp- a spine player. And, and Gutho was able to see Mitch Moses. He got a bit of a sentence. He got a quick play of the ball. And when your other half gets a quick play of the ball, bang, you go. And he took off and he threw an absolute perler to Sivo to score. Um, oh, I thought... Parramatta, very, very impressive. Uh, this is the sort of game that we've said all season that we thought they'd win round 25 against the Melbourne Storm. Uh, it all comes down to next week now against the Penrith Panthers. That's going to be an absolute cracker. Cannot wait for that one. We'll talk about it later in the week. As we said, Melbourne Storm, pretty disappointing. Um, this team's just about full strength as far as uh, how good they can get. So it'll be interesting to see how they go over the next few weeks. You're assuming uh, that Hughesy will come back into this side next week, I hope anyway. Uh, so then they will be absolute full strength heading into next week uh, against the Canberra Raiders, which is going to be tough down there in Melbourne. Bit of a bogey side, the Raiders. So, yeah, look, Melbourne, I thought they were the second-best team on the field by far and away. Parramatta, they were the better side. Uh, and I think the scoreline flattered the Melbourne Storm at halftime and even more so at full-time with a couple of late tries there. Uh, Friday kicked off with the Bulldogs taking on the Manly Seagulls. I didn't get to watch this one live, so I've sort of watched it back. Two teams that aren't going to play finals footy this year. Manly led by 
16 points to nil. Um, I think we had DCE scored. Uh, great support players always DCE. This is why we always love him for an anytime try scorer. Then he set up two Palotta with a cracking ball in the rain. Very, very impressive stuff in the conditions. And then Marty Tapao, he managed to get the ball this week, which will make him happy on TikTok, I'm sure. Uh, they led 16-0 after 19 minutes. So you could not ask for a better start out there at Homebush for the Manly Seagulls. And then the Doggies. They came back. A great try through Braden Burns. A couple of really nice offloads in the conditions once again. And then Zach Docker-Clay scores a really soft try from dummy half. They'll be really upset with that try they conceded there, Manly. All of a sudden, 16-0 is 16-12 at half time. You've let go of a fantastic lead. A couple of good tries in the second half. Uh, Aaron Shop, the intercept that he took. But I want you to watch, and I, and I know that Kempi pointed it out on uh, on his page over the weekend, but Kohler, he runs past, he slips and he slides, and then he chases him back, and he only just falls short. So if the field would have been an extra 15 metres longer, Kohler would have made one of the great chase downs of all time. Worth having a look just to see how bloody quick uh, this kid is. Tavita Bango Jr. had a fantastic offload uh, to put Kyle Flanagan over in the corner as well. That was sensational. Uh, TPJ's got these sort of things in him. We just don't see enough of it, and when we do see it, we don't see it consistently over a number of weeks. So hopefully TPJ can sort it out. I personally don't think he'll be at Canterbury for too much longer, though. And then Matty Burton hits the one-pointer to win it. A good way for the Bulldogs to go into the off-season. Obviously, a lot of hope there for next season. Reed Marnie, Viliami Kikau. Uh, you've also got another year of like Burton and Flano together. Fox, another season inside shop. There's a, there's a lot of real positives coming out of Canterbury heading into next year, obviously with Cameron Serraldo arriving as well. So a fresh start. Um, obviously, they're, they're, they're probably going to be a little bit slow to start. They'll have to work out all their uh, – I'm sure like their whole game plan will change a heap. But uh, Canterbury, I'm really, really excited about them for next year. Man, on the other, other hand, still in absolute fucking free fall. I cannot believe how this has played out. Leading 16-0 to drop that game. Um, yeah, sort of resembles their season, doesn't it, Manly? I've got no idea what has happened there. Such a bizarre turn of events. And I, I heard DCA say that it had nothing to do with the jersey. I fucking – Jesus Christ. I don't know how, how you could possibly say it has nothing to do with it. Um, I think that's just DCE doing his very best to deflect what's going on at the moment. But that team, they seem to be in absolute turmoil at the moment. I'm very, very worried about them during the offseason heading into next year. The next game with the Sydney Roosters and the Bunnies. What a game this was. 26 to 16 to the Roosters. Uh, I was out of the game. Uh, just incredible. I'll do a little review of the SFS from my experience there uh, a little bit later today on the podcast. But, geez, you know, when you consider all the players that were missing from both teams, obviously the Roosters missing their two wingers, Victor Radley, the Bunnies without Damien Cook, which was a huge, huge loss there, um, and Campbell Graham as well, which sort of brought in a couple of guys that aren't uh, super reliable in their back line as well. Um, yeah, it was, an, it was a good game. I enjoyed it. The atmosphere was incredible, as I said. I don't think the Bunnies played anywhere near their best footy, though, to be honest with you. Still only lost by 10 points. So bringing Damien Cook, Campbell Graham back in next week, will be very interesting. And Joey Manu dropping out for the Roosters is going to be huge. But you would have to assume they'll probably get Victor Radley back. They'll probably get Suali'i back as well. Uh, so that'll be interesting. I was sort of confident the Roosters would win this one, considering the outs that the Bunnies had. Uh, but 
you know, with the changes this week, I'm sort of I'm sort of thinking the South Sydney Rabbitohs might get it done. I think Latrell's going to be in for a big one. Every time he got the ball, the noise was just crazy at the stadium. We'll talk about that in the SFS review a little bit later, though. Uh, you could tell the Roosters, they came in with a plan. Isolate Lachlan Ilias, and fuck me, didn't they execute it? Luke Keary gave him absolute nightmares, putting Angus Crichton on the spot every single time. Angus scored the first try, carrying him over, uh, and then he isolated him a little bit later, putting Angus through there, and then he put it inside of Teddy for him to score. Uh, Latrell set up a cracking try. Uh, a l- little one off the left foot. He was in slow motion, just like Latrell can do. Just be seemingly moving so slow, but just watching everything happening around him and just pick his exact moment. A cracking try. Cracking little kick to Mamazellas. Uh, and then Walker. The try that he scored. Wow. Um, you could tell Sam Walker, and he's done this a few times throughout the year, but it's it's just such a great sign of maturity in such a young guy that he can just see the game so quickly. It feels like it's always going so slow for Sammy Walker, which is a great sign of all the all the great halves throughout time. But he gets the ball here. He's going to the left, and get, guess who he sees in the front line? Latrell Mitchell. He knows straight away there's space behind there. I've just got to get it right. Bang, comes off the left foot, drops it on his right foot into space, scores there. He's done it a couple times over the last few weeks, Sammy Walker, uh, and yeah, just so impressive. He would have seen Latrell there when the play the ball was on, and he would have made sure he got it, knew what he was doing the entire time. If you get the kick right, worst case scenario, you, you get a force drop out. Sensational to see from such a young guy in such a big game. Big occasion, scoring a try in the first ever game at the SFS. Unreal to see. Uh, we spoke earlier about the bunny, uh, the Roosters trying to isolate Lachlan Ilias. They got him one-on-one again with Egan Butcher, who managed to score there as well. I uh, obviously had the Latrell sin bidding as well. <laughs> I thought it was fair enough. I'm not sure what Latrell was doing there. I think he was a bit frustrated with the whole night and whatnot and, and the amount of shit he was copping. But I think that he'll be back next week for a very big game. South Sydney, they actually managed to find a few points during this period. Um, Tane Milne, I've got no idea how he scored that try. I thought he was out for all money. It was a sensational put down. And then uh, Paulo put Tane Milne over for another one as well. Uh, there was a AJ line break. He was going down that edge and... Uh, James Tedesco came up with a cracking tackle. Unfortunately, Nat Butcher came in. He got sin-binned off the end of that one. Uh, but the game was well and truly done by then. I thought the Roosters were the better team on the occasion. Um, and I thought the Bonny, the Bunnies would struggle with the couple of outs that they had, which they'll get those guys back in this week. Uh, they'll be hurting the Bunnies. So I'm expecting a bit of a bounce back from them. If, I was the, if I'm a Roosters fan, I think I'm a little bit nervous about playing South Sydney next week. And I think that... We said this on beers and break even. I think that if I'm the Bunnies, I'd rather play the SFS than out there at Homebush, to be honest with you. So that's going to be an absolute cracker. I believe it's the 4 p.m. Sunday afternoon games. I cannot wait for that. That's going to be sensational. The greatest rivalry in rugby league. Super Saturday kicked off with the New Zealand Warriors and the Gold Coast Titans. Um, Two teams that are obviously out of contention. I think the next four teams we're going to talk about are going to be out of contention. But a good game here, 29 to 28, the Gold Coast Titans over the New Zealand Warriors. I thought Reese Walsh, he was sensational, put Arthurs over, then came out with a flick pass to Josh Curran. Very, very impressive. Um, DWZ scored off a pretty good pass as well. They led 16-0, well and truly in the driver's seat, the New Zealand Warriors at home. And then the Titans, they struck into gear. AJ Brimson scoring a great interview 
individual's try. Broke about five tackles. He's just an absolute freak, AJ. They need to get the very best out of him over the next few years. Warriors bounce back with a pretty ugly try, to be fair. Uh, Joshy Curran scored his second of the first half off a couple of loose kicks and whatnot. Bit of an ugly one, but they all count. Uh, 20 to 6 at half time. New Zealand's way. And I sort of thought there's no way the Titans can get themselves back into this one. Um, and then, I mean, that they, they scored. I think they scored first in the second half, but then Valia scored. Now, he's really starting to warm to first grade Valia. We spoke about him in the preseason, thought he could be a potential little rookie of the year. He has sort of struggled with the pace of first grade. But this is what you start to see as guys get closer to 50 first grade games. They start to go to a new level. And he's a long way off that. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but this kid's got talent. I'm telling you, I've been watching him for a while now. I'm very, very high on Valia. He's just got something about him. And you saw it off that scrum, soft defense, whatever. Um, it's not very often you see guys on halfway score tries like that off scrums. He was just able to make the defenders look very, very silly there. So keep an eye on Valia over the next few years. I think he has got a little bit more to offer than what he's shown so far this year. Jaden Campbell scored an unbelievable try. He just floats across the grass. He is incredible. Sometimes he reminds me of his dad. Then other times I'm watching him, I just go, fuck, I don't know if he reminds me of like anyone I've seen before. You know, he can just do things that others can't. The way that he's able to snap off his left and his right, uh, he's incredibly talented, Jaden Campbell. I absolutely love watching him play. Hopefully we get to see him play a full season next year. That's what he needs. He needs a full season running off Foz, creating space, getting to that 50-game mark so he can really start to find his own in the NRL. He's scary. Bo Fermor put Marcio over for a try. I thought Bo Fermor, he's been the find of the year for the Gold Coast Titans. Fuck, he's been good. Uh, and then, of course, we had the Adam Fenua blake high shot. Uh, two points to even up there. Then, of course, Tanner Boyd. He hits the one-pointer. What a huge moment for Tanner Boyd. You all know we've been fans of him for quite some time. I think the Gold Coast Titans fucked around with him unbelievably to start his career. But good to see him finally given an opportunity in the position that he is, which is halfback. He's never really been a lock. He's never really been a hooker. He's always been a seven. It's good to see him getting those opportunities and icing those moments. If you're Toby Sexton, I'll tell you what, you must be... Be a little bit nervous. Kieran Foran coming to the club. You can't possibly leave AJ Brimson out of, the, out of the team. You can't possibly leave Campbell out of the team. You can't fit both those guys into the one jersey. One of them's got to play six. So then what does that mean you do with Kieran Foran? He's got to be the halfback. All of a sudden, Tanner Boyd, he's probably looking like he'll be the 14. Um, but I think it's fair to say coming into preseason 2023, the second-choice halfback after Kieran Foran will be Tanner Boyd. So interesting times for Toby Sexton. We did say at the start of the season he was the number one guy I was really worried about coming into this season, people turning on and him maybe falling out of favour. So hopefully he can work it out and jump back into this Titan side at one point because he has still got plenty to offer, Toby Sexton. Uh, the next game, Dragons 22 over the Brisbane Broncos 12. Very disappointing from the Broncos, uh, sort of fitting uh, the week leading up to the Tyson Gamble stuff. All, all these rumors coming out of Brisbane constantly of all this shit that's going on. They just needed this season to end. Uh, as, as devastated as, as they'll be to not make the finals, I think they've probably known for two weeks or so that they wouldn't make the finals. And even if they did, they'd be absolutely fucking shot ducks there. So I think Brisbane would just be stoked that this season is just done and behind them and they can start fresh next year. What that looks like, fucking God knows. Uh, but this just had to end. This was just... I don't think it mattered how many weeks were left in this season. I think that no matter how long it went on for, this situation just would have got worse up there in Brisbane, to be honest with you. So I think they're glad to have it done. Paddy Carrigan was good on his return. 
Um, he made a difference, but just not enough. Jack Bird, his first try against his former club was sensational. A very Jack Bird sort of try. I love when he plays 13 and he just plays free football. I sort of thought all year, I've always said to you guys that I think Jack Bird is the 13, but I always said this year that I thought Jack DeBellum was more suited to the 13 jersey than what Jack Bird was in this football team. Um, I think I might have to swallow a bit of pride on that one. I think that I my, my first instincts might have been right years ago that Jack Bird should have been the 13 in this team. I was very very, very impressed with him, but it is hard to get a read on this Dragons side once they're out of contention and, you know, they're not playing for a final spot. There's no pressure on their back. It's a bit hard to judge them. Uh, you could tell they were going very hard at that left edge for the Brisbane Broncos. Kurt Capewell, Gamble, and Deloise Hoiter. Uh, Capewell had a, had a really poor game here. He was all over the place, has been for a couple of weeks. So very disappointing there. What about the uh, the force dropout, the Benny Hunt uh, force from about 35, 40 metres out, just perfect, rocked off his left foot, sort of around the corner on his right, jammed it into the left corner. Zach Lomax with a great chase to force a dropout there was sensational. Soon after that, Flegler was binned. I don't know if it was fair or not. I'm sort of a bit 50-50 on it. Uh, I only got to see it once, though, to be fair. Maybe I need to have a, have a closer look at it. Deloise Hoyter scored uh, off the back of a bit of pressure that the Brisbane Broncos and Adam Reynolds was applying. Uh, very, very soft defense on that one though. I forget who the right center was. I think it was Tao Tao Moga on that play. He slipped over and then I think it was Tyrell Sloan who got, who got brushed away like, like he was a fly on that play. So pretty disappointing. But uh, Benny Hunt, as we said, he's, fuck, he had some good plays in this game. I look at my last few notes and it's all about Ben Hunt. He kicked a 40-20 at one point. The deception was incredible. His sixth 40-20 for the year. Very, very impressive. Off the back of that, Lomax with some very nice hands hit Fagai for him to score. Um, and then we went 10-6 to at halftime to the Dragons and then Ben Hunt after this. Ben Hunt, he set up Ramsey. Absolute wizard. Beat like four or five defenders in about 12 steps and about three dummies then managed to find Ramsey to score with a great pass. He then made a tackle on Zach Hoskins, who, you know, crazy to see him in this team when he's not going to be there next year. Jordan Rickey's jumped out. I think Jordan Rickey's days at the British Broncos might be numbered just quietly. Uh, and then he put Fiego away for another one, Ben Hunt. And what a try that was. We've been talking about this guy for the number of weeks now, saying there's just something about him. He is something else. And you just saw it in that try the other day. He's very, very talented. I do wonder if he stays at the Dragons. I think there'll be a number of clubs that would be lining up for his signature over the next if one of the good clubs can get their hands on him, I think he could be an absolute fucking superstar. But good win by the Dragons. Uh, disappointing way for both of these seasons to end. Ha- uh, a good way for the Dragons to finish. I think they won their last three in a row. But when you win your last three in a row or whatever it's been, and you're still not in finals contention, pretty disappointing for the Broncos. Uh, one of the great bed shits of all time. I've still got no idea how that all played out for them. The late game, Saturday night, Cowboys 38 over the Penrith Panthers 8. I thought this game would be a little bit closer than what it was, to be honest with you. I think that people were expecting a big, big blowout and 30 points. It, it, it definitely is a blowout, but oh, I did think that it'd be a little bit closer. I thought the uh, Cowboys scored a couple of you know reasonably lucky tries, bounce of the ball and that sort of stuff, uh, but they were definitely Definitely the better side. They had guys resting out in this game. Val Holmes, he played limited minutes, scored three tries. He was incredible. Scott Drinkwater, very impressive. Tommy Dearden, just to be out there, I couldn't fucking believe that. God, he's a tough little bastard. I thought Racy Robson was great as well. You had Tamalolo, who, who was given a rest. He didn't play huge minutes in this game either. Uh, good win by the Cowboys. It's one of those ones where you don't really know how much to read into it. They were playing a Reggie's team, uh, but they've still got to go out there and play. They've still got to go out and win. They've still got to go out and beat 17 guys who are playing for 
you know, the premier system in our game who are looking for an opportunity. Um, they did what they had to do, the Cowboys, so well done to them. I don't think there's too much to read into it. For the Penny Panthers, you know, a couple of good performances here and there. I thought their defense in patches was good. I think they got unlucky on a couple of ones. I think there was one that uh, Hamiso scored. The ball just bounced away uh, from the fullback who slipped over. There was another one where Sean O'Sullivan kicked, it rebounded off two or three hands, landed in, sorry, uh, not Sean O'Sullivan, one of the cow, I think it was Chad Townsend, kicked, a, you know, it got a rebound and then it landed in Valentine Holmes' hands. So I feel like there was a lot of times where they showed really good defense throughout this game and then something would happen and it, and it would just allow points on the board. And I think it sort of got to Penrith a little bit. But our boy Jermaine Hopgood, we posted about him on Instagram last night. You might have seen that one. We spoke about him on Beers and Break Evens last week saying that he'll play 50 minutes, he'll score 50 super coach points. We think going to Parramatta next year, he's going to be an absolute gun there. He played 67 minutes. He had 20 hit-ups, 180 metres, four offloads, two tackle breaks, and he made 42 tackles. Hop good. Keep an eye on him at Parramatta next year, I promise you. He's going to be one of the smoky buys of the year. I think Madison's going to move to the edge, and there will be a spot at 13. Whether he gets it week one, I don't know, but I reckon by the end of the season, uh, Jermaine Hopgood, he'll be the lock forward for the Parramatta Eels, and I think he's going to be a sensational player. He's my real smoky for buy the year next year. Keep an eye on him. Sounds outrageous, but... Right now, I think he's a better player than what Isaiah Papali'i was when he arrived. I'm really confident about Hopgood. So I, I promise you we'll talk about him a lot in the Supercoach preseason as well. I think he's going to be massive for them. All right, Sunday afternoon, Sharks 38, Knights 16. Uh, a little bit of a closer game than what I expected for the vast majority of this game. Sharky sort of ran away with it in the second half. Uh, but I thought the Knights, they were okay for the first 40 minutes or so. Normally, uh, it's an absolute clusterfuck for them. But I thought they, they played pretty well. Texi Hoy, he had a really good first half. We went into the first half at 12-all. Tex Hoy was great. Dominic Young had an absolute blinder. Fuck, he was impressive. Some of the things he did. Took a cracking intercept off uh, Nico Hines to score there. You could tell that Nico Hines had done his tape on him. Um, it actually wasn't a bad play because this is where Dominic Young normally does shit the bed and you can catch him out there. Uh, so I, I think they, they, they prepared for this one over the entire week. It was a little bit premeditated and uh, Dominic Young came up with a good play. So good on him. Sometimes you, you can sort of use your negatives as positives in games. He managed to score there. He came up with a couple of big intercepts as well. Taxi Hoy in his farewell to the NRL scored a really good try. He was impressive. Uh, uh, for the Sharkies, though, Britton Nakora, three meat pies. How bloody good. Luke Metcalf scored as well. It's great to see him uh, back in first grade. I think for the Warriors, he's going to be a really, really good signing next year. I thought Lockie Miller was fantastic. He had a really good game, broke a heap of tackles, scored a try, try at the back end, uh, which was well-deserved. And Sharkies just went about their business 38-16. Um, I don't think they played their best footy for the first 30 minutes, and they started to in the second half, and they really laid on some points. So a good little foundation win for the Sharkies going into next week's finals games. They will have a home final against the North Queensland Cowboys. So a great little get for them. I cannot wait for that one. It's going to be sensational. One of those games where the Sharkies should win. It's it's night's old boys day. So there's a lot that goes into that for the Newcastle faithful and Newcastle players. But the Sharks, they just went up there. They got the job done. Was it a 22-point victory? So pretty fair. I, I said in my preview yesterday that I wanted them to win by at least 18. Uh, they got the job done there just by a little bit. 22 points. So good to see uh, the Sharkies heading in the right direction. Newcastle it's about time we put a fork in a pretty disappointing season for them. They'll be glad it's over. Last game of the week. Good God. 56-10. to 10. The Canberra Raiders 
over the West Tigers. What the fuck is going on at the West Tigers? Uh, Rumours circulating, or it looks like that will be their last ever game at Leichhardt Oval, and they were down 42-0 in their last game there. I just... <laughs> I can't even find the words to describe what on earth is happening at this club. There was a moment there where I think it was the Fox League footage showed uh, an image of Laurie Nichols, uh, and fuck, he would be rolling over in his grave at the moment. For them to farewell Leichhardt over like that, what a fucking shit fight. I know they're missing players, I get it, but I mean, fuck, Adam Dewey, James Tarmel, Joe Afangawi, like, it's not like they've got absolute peanuts in this side that have never played footy before. Like, they, sh- this is 42 points in a half against a Canberra Raiders team who was not playing for anything and they were without their by far and away best player. Just fucking embarrassing for the West Tigers. I mean... It evened out a little bit in the second half, but fuck, I don't even know if that matters in the slightest, to be honest with you. They still managed to lose the second half, and the fucking Canberraiders pretty much called it in. So, um, yeah, very disappointing. We'll leave the West Tigers there. Pre-se- uh, off-season couldn't have come quick enough for them. What an absolute shit fight of a year. Uh, by some form of miracle, it's actually their first wooden spoon. They must have narrowly avoided that on a couple of occasions throughout their time. So very, very disappointing for the Tigers. Not really sure where they turn next year. Abby Curacao comes in, which is fantastic. Isaiah Papali'i comes in. Hopefully they can build something off the back of that. But Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. Something tells me that the drama at the West Tigers is not quite over yet. Still got three halves off contract, and Jock Madden has just signed with the Penrith Panthers. Uh, So there will be more drama to come out of the West Tigers. For all we fucking know, there might be more drama when they're not playing than when they are playing. So we'll see how it plays out there. For the Canberra Raiders, uh, big win. I mean, I haven't seen them score this many points in two weeks in a long, long time. They've been impressive. Yes, they're playing teams that are absolute fucking basket cases, but they're scoring points and they are confident. Score 40 points in a half. They'll take a lot out of that. All this without Jack Whiten, who is their best player. So really good signs. They'll be really confident, this team, going down to Melbourne next week. Uh, If I was the Melbourne Storm, I would be a little bit nervous because this team's confident at the moment. They're going to throw the ball around. They're going to have a few throws at the stumps, see what happened. It's do or die. No one's expecting him to win. This is exactly where Ricky Stewart wants to be. Bit of a history against the Melbourne Storm, obviously, over the years as well. So they'll be keen enough for this one. Jackie Wyden, he'll be well-rested, ready to go. Uh, scary, scary stuff for the Melbourne Storm next week. Canberra is 56-10 to 10, uh, over the West Tigers. Our boy Hudson Young scoring two tries. Pick him in the Kangaroos now. We spoke about it about a month ago. I think other people are jumping on it now. Now, a bit of momentum across social media and whatnot. Just take him on the Kangaroo Tour and he will pay dividends. If he goes on this Kangaroo Tour, I promise you, he'll go very close to being a Dalian back rower next year. 
just thinking off the top of the dome, he probably won't be this far off that far off this year. I reckon he'll he'll be a candidate for it. To be honest with you, he's been so impressive this year. Hudson Young, absolutely love everything about him. He's got a bit of CUNT in him. He's the most skillful back rower in this Raiders team. One of the most skillful back rowers in this competition. Um, he's just got it all. I love Hudson Young, and I'd love to see him selected uh, for the in the Kangaroos squad at the end of the season. Thought Jamal Fogarty was really strong in this one too. A very good performance, as was Xavier Savage. Uh, it's all coming together for the Raiders at the right end of the season. Rapana was all over the place. He was doing everything. So uh, very, very good signs for the Canberra Raiders. Hopefully they can carry this form into next week uh, against an opposition that will uh, have a pulse at least because the last two weeks, despite them putting up a heap of points, uh, Manly Seagulls, West Tigers, uh, you know, you, you obviously can only take so much out of those games, but I think it's probably what the Raiders needed to be confident and to be high on their ability heading into a game down in Melbourne to take on the Storm. Very, very keen for that one. Uh, wouldn't be surprised to see an upset there, to be honest with you. The Melbourne Storm, they're not the team they used to be at the moment. Canberra is confident as all hell, and this might be their grand final down there. So crack and win by the Raiders. Very, very disappointing by the Tigers, but we won't put the boot in any further there. Plenty more content coming on the Rugby League Guru Podcast, guys. Stay tuned for plenty more.